Hi, welcome to episode two of Did That Really Happen? So in the previous episode, I had given an introduction into who I am and why I started this podcast. And as promised, I mentioned that I would discuss it in the next one, which would be this one. And so without further ado, I will get into it. In 2018, my mother, who was 76 years old at the time, had fallen and broken her hip. And she was taken to the hospital, had a full hip replacement, was in rehab, was making great strides to her mobility and her independence. And she was released prematurely four months later in December. And when she came home, there was no home healthcare worker to help her. Uh, But she did have neighbors and family members checking in on her frequently to make sure that she was okay. Now, my sister and I were unable to make it home because we found it very difficult for us to get away from our jobs in order to spend long periods of time caring for her. And I hadn't been at my job long enough to qualify for CIFRA or FMLA. And so um, I, I was restricted. So my mother was released, like I said, prematurely in December. And when she came home, everything was going okay. And the first couple of days were very difficult for her to maneuver, but she managed. And one night on December 23rd, 2018, she was trying to climb into bed and she slipped off the bed and fell on the floor. She did not break her hip, but she could not get back up. And in the Central Valley in the middle of December, it it's not warm, but it's not freezing either. So she actually laid on the floor for 13 hours and I was unable to get a hold of her via telephone or cell phone. I, I couldn't get a hold of her no matter what. And so I called the next door neighbor to do a wellness check on her. And she came over and checked on her and found that she was on the floor. And 911 was called and my mother was taken back to the hospital. From December until June of 2019, my mother was in and out of the hospital and convalescent homes and her body was just quitting on her. She was failing and it was very difficult to watch. And my sister and I, as I had mentioned, would make frequent trips home just to make sure that she was cared for, that everything was in order and that she had company by her two children and you know it usually took us weekends to come but we made it and while we were here we would check in on the house to make sure that everything was in order and that the house was being kept up and over time my sister and I were informed that the house would be sold and Uh, They had coerced my mother into agreeing to that, saying that it would be the best financial option for her, which in essence it was not. And in the meantime, while my mother is in and out of convalescent homes and the hospitals, family members were picking up the slack financially to support the household and to keep 
the lights on and the bills paid and the mortgage paid and the homeowner's insurance, all that stuff. And in the meantime, certain family members were coming into the house and pilfering and taking whatever they wanted. It, it was quite disheartening and it was a bit of an eye opener for my sister and I. Of course, you know, the permission had allegedly come from my mother for anybody to come into the house and take whatever they wanted. I don't know if that's true or not. It's hearsay. I never heard it directly from my mother, but that's what the story was that was given to us. So my mother passed away June 25th, 2019, and all of us were making plans to have the funeral. And mind you, my sister and I were of very limited financial means because living in Southern California, it it is not cheap just for a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment for us, it was $2,300 and a month, and it, it just wasn't enough. And so making ends meet was very difficult. But I digress. The day of my mother's funeral, it came and went with so much shock and being stunned and dismayed and taken aback and complete confusion. So 30 minutes after we put my mother in the ground, we had um, a dinner at a family member's house. And when my sister and I walked in, we were told to sit at a dining room table and we sat down and We were both presented with legal documents by close family members to my mother stating that any monies that certain family members had invested in the house or in bills would be our sole responsibility and we were mandated to pay it back 30 minutes after my mother was put in the ground. My sister and I were ambushed by family, which was number one, very disrespectful, very uncouth, and a complete lack of any empathy for the emotions and experiences that my sister were having in the day. So under duress, my sister and I both signed the document and I tried to fight it at first and I was told by my brother-in-law, nope, just sign it, get it over with, take it to an attorney and see what happens. Well, that event led to a great deal of animosity towards family. And my sister and I lost a complete lack of trust for them. And ever since then, it has been very strained, if not estranged. And my sister and I had made several requests to have items returned to my mother's home um, after she had passed away. And the funny thing is, when she did die and I moved back to the Central Valley, I opted to live in her home because this home was now 
belonging to my sister and me. And I made the decision to not put the house on the market. And during the entire time that my mother was in the hospital, the house had gone into pre-foreclosure. I don't really understand why, but I ended up cashing out my 401k and using my savings to bring the house out of pre-foreclosure and paying all of the arrears and bringing it current, which was fantastic. All in the meantime, my family saying, oh, you won't be able to manage that house. You won't be able to take care of it. You won't be able to manage the household bills. It's too much, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got a really great job and I was able to manage the household and the bills. When we had moved in or when I moved in, there was no carpeting on the floor. The house was in complete disarray. There was old janky furniture. The piano was damaged. There was junk everywhere. And I brought everything back to normalcy in the house. My sister and I invested a chunk of money into getting the piano restored, getting carpet in the entire house because there really was no carpet anywhere. It was just concrete with old glue on it. And so we had invested some money into repairing the concrete because there were craps and cracks in it and getting flooring. Then we invested in furniture and Little by little, we had started transitioning the house to what we wanted instead of what my mom and dad had, which was very dated and from the 70s. And it was, it was quite interesting, <laughs> to say the least. So three years later, my sister and I have virtually no relationship with most of the members of our family. We are still very slighted because who in their right mind presents a legal document to the two children of the deceased person that was just laid to rest 30 minutes prior? Who does that? And from what I've heard from friends that I have expressed this to and my future in-laws, this is not an un uncommon thing. I guess, I guess family members ambush people after funerals all the time. And I suppose my sister and I were not the exception. So I suppose that's supposed to bring me a certain level of comfort knowing that we're not alone in this, but in this family, we are alone because from my knowledge, from both sides of the family, either my father or my mother, this has not happened to anybody. But, you know, in, in true unique fashion, my sister and I are never, have never been normal <laughs> when it comes to our relations with our family. And it was just a situation that, wow. Just thinking about it now, just wow, the nerve. We had attempted to extend olive branches to people and say, hey, we understand what the situation is. If we ever sell the house, which I will tell you, my sister and I will never sell this house because it's our family home. Now, I live here. 
with my fiance, my sister and my brother-in-law live out of state. And so my fiance and I are restoring the house and repairing things that came up because during my mother's convalescence, certain things in the house had become in disrepair. So we, we have been spending some money to get all of that repaired. And so we're making it our own. But all while being judged by certain members of our family for doing all of the things that we have done here and living the way that we are living, the fact that we are even in this house has been, I guess you could say, glanced at with judgment. And as I had stated, our relationship with our families, our family is is very strained. We don't even talk to certain family members anymore because of this situation. They have turned their backs on us. Um, There has been no welfare checks. Nobody's cared. As a matter of fact, the day of our funeral or of, of our mother's funeral, not one of them came up to us and asked us if we were okay. Not one. Everybody went to them and was checking to see if they were okay, but no one checked up on my sister and me. Typical Armenian family, perhaps? I don't know. But it's just been an eye-opener. And I'm sitting here recording this podcast with my eyebrows raised in complete disbelief and not really understanding how people could be so callous and cold and calculated. I don't know. So that's why I started this podcast, because that situation... 30 minutes after my mother is in the ground, I actually thought to myself, did that really happen? And then immediately after that, my brain, and if you don't like cussing, that's fine. I don't, I don't bleep cussing. I don't, I don't do that. But immediately after that document was given, it was like, did that really happen? And then my brain said, what the fuck? How could they do this to us? How could they do this to their family members, children that they claim to have been so close to? Amazing. My sister and I still try to analyze why it happened. We still try to understand what their motivation behind it is. What in their right mind made them think that this was an okay thing to do? It doesn't make any sense. So that's why. Three years in, I'm still trying to forgive. And I know to some, it may not seem like it's that big of a deal. But when you have grown up around these people all your life and trusted them and looked to them for guidance, and then all of a sudden you're told well, nope, we're, we really don't care about you. So here's this legal document. And we're, we're going to try and sink you as best as we can and hold you responsible for your mother's debts and for decisions and choices that we made of our own free will for your mother when you weren't even involved. Okay. I'm sorry. 
I'm not financially responsible for my mother's debts. I am definitely not financially responsible for their debts that they paid towards my mother's home and her well-being. Oh, and the funny thing is, after all of this happened, we got an itemized bill of everything that was paid, including a plunger and snacks that were purchased for my mother and little knickknacks that were given to her, like a Sudoku book. The nerve. And this itemized list had included deductions of crystal that was taken out of the house and records and everything that could have been sold for profit towards what was owed. It's just unbelievable. So this year, I made the stunning observation that after 48 years of receiving a constant birthday card from a couple of members of the family, this year in my 49th year, I did not receive one. That silent statement was a gigantic slap to my face, which is fine. I I guess I shouldn't say it was a slap to my face because it wasn't. It really didn't surprise me, but I was just thinking, huh, that's interesting. What, what exactly are you trying to say? What is the message you're trying to deliver? Are you being petty because you disapprove? Are, are, are you, are you upset? So because of that event and the lack of trust, I have chosen not to invite those family members to my wedding because they've had absolutely nothing to do with the way that we have grown as a couple. They haven't been active. They haven't even gotten to know him. And I personally don't feel comfortable with those family members being part of something so incredibly intimate in my life. So I communicated that fact to another family member and they were disappointed, but they understood and respected my decision. And even though I I wish it could be different, it's not. And I'm not the one that has forced this hand. They are. They are because they have refused to reach out. They have refused to talk about it. And so unfortunately I had to go to an attorney and wait and the attorney handled everything else so it is what it is my sister and I are happier Um, we don't have to deal with the drama of family issues anymore because that has been in the forefront for years since way before my mother had passed away was constant drama in the family someone being upset with someone else or someone saying the wrong thing or and me personally because of the way that I have always lived my life I have always been judged and I have always been met with scrutiny and so for me this is actually a very peaceful thing because I haven't had to deal with judgment from family ever since this happened so it's been a relief so with that, I'm, I'm going to conclude this and say thank you to you for listening to this episode because I know that it was a lot 
And in hindsight, though, we all have issues with our families. No one has a perfect family, regardless of how Hallmark and Lifetime TV-like they look. No one has a perfect family. There's always something somewhere. So, anyway, thank you for listening. Next time, I will probably talk more about my ex. And I'll give you a little insight into how all of that happened. So, again, thank you. And I hope you guys have a great week. Bye. Thank you.